Welcome to PRPG News, where the line between reality and fiction gets fuzzy. Well, here's the PRPG News for July, as of 14 July, 2019. First off, status of the podcast. We aren't dead. Yet. It's a broken record around here. We've got plans for more podcasts. But with the lives of the cast and crew, it's proven to be constantly difficult to form any consistency. Nearly all of us have families and full-time jobs, and that can be quite unforgiving. Many of us still, at least tangentially, are involved with the U.S. government, and she is a harsh and demanding mistress. To say any of us is a 40-hour employee would be a bald-faced lie. I could go on and on and on with the excuses and reasons why we haven't recorded a regular episode in a while, but instead I will tease you and torment you with what should be happening here in the near future. After action reports will continue once again. I should be recording a stack of them today on Star Trek The Next Generation and queuing them up for release on Wednesdays to return to that drumbeat. Getting a cluster done on a weekend seems to ensure that we have those pushed out on a regular order. Doc Oates and I churned through all seven seasons recently while I was laid up injured. As a note, don't try and PT like you used to when you get older. You're going to hurt yourself. Our next FOB theater is planned to cover Enemy Mine, an often forgotten mill sci-fi gem that many TV shows have attempted to replicate on an episode here and there. Doc Oates has never seen it, and we may try and drag Belly in if we can pull him away from a work thing that has kept him out of town and holed up for weeks. We have also typed up a few show notes and even done a few graphics for the following topics, and we'll cover them as regular episodes as soon as we can. Tactical FTL. How FTL can be implemented tactically. Ooh, not much of a surprise there from the title. We'll discuss warp, slipstream, hyperspace, wormholes, and all manner of FTL, and how it's been used tactically in media. Uh, Second PRPG Kids episode. Uh, I don't have any show notes for that, but hey... My kids have been asking repeatedly when they can do another show, and they're coming into town here soon, so of course we'll record one sometime in August. Space Force. A discussion of what it is, what it isn't, and what the hell Ted Cruz was talking about with his space pirates. Aliens 40th Anniversary. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the first blockbuster space horror film and the franchise that followed. We'll talk about Alien Aliens and... any other associated projects that have been going on out there in the world. There's quite a few, surprisingly. We will continue to update our Facebook and Instagram regularly. Go check them out. Lately, the Area 51 Boogaloo, which we'll cover later in this episode, has proven to be a hilarious source of inspiration that we could not avoid. Breaking 3, the Area 51 Electric Boogaloo Operation. Okay, this is when a meme gets out of hand. A joke of a Facebook event has spawned concern, jokes, and endless memes, as well as mass chaos. It's hard to tell if anyone's taking it seriously. Here's a little hint. The DOD, Groom Lake Security, and the Joint U.S. Air Force Army Security Components definitely are keeping an eye on it. Uh, Or if everyone's just along for a crazy ride. As of 14 July, more than 900,000 goofballs have said that they are going, and 1.7 million people are interested in this 20 September event. To clarify, the Area 51 Boogaloo has also been called... Storm Area 51, because a bunch of internet nerds, well, they don't really think they're going to Storm Area 51. It all started as a joke, but who knows, maybe somebody's going to take it seriously. 
The meme-worn shitposting seems to transcend any single group with side-splitting results. Many of you may be confused by the terms being tossed about if you've seen any of the associated graphics for the Area 51 Boogaloo. Here's a little bit of insight. Boogaloo. It's a party often associated with pro-gun groups that obsess over memes, aka pew memes. Kyle's. An internet stereotype associated with truck driving, energy drinking, nut jobs. Naturo running. A ridiculous style of running fast with one arm flapping behind them, popularized by the anime Naturo. Clapping alien cheeks. Somehow, an offshoot of this event has become a gag about gaining alien sex partners. Perhaps related to these incels, or involuntary celibates we hear tell about? I don't know. Karens. Apparently, this meme of bitchy women with select attitude and haircut, who shall ruin the day of any manager, has been added to the growing legion, as in there will be a company of Karens attacking the base. I think too many folks have been getting stoned with the legalization of pot in most states and fantasizing about reenacting 2011's comedy Paul. That was the one with Simon Pegg, where he freed an alien named Paul from the clutches of the government. Spaceman Paul. Get your goddamn hands off my motherfucking junk! Regardless, posting your assault plans to tactical media while hilarious is definitely poor form. I don't expect more than a handful of idiots to show up. And by extension, maybe a few more idiots showing up to see what idiots actually do show up. As most of the internet isn't that dumb. Or if they are, they tend to be too broke to travel. Uh, PRPG here strongly urges our listeners to sit back and laugh but anyone meeting the, at the assigned time and place of the Boogaloo will promptly be rounded up by U.S. government security forces and detained, or potentially shot if armed and aggressive. Area 51 has long been a hotbed of alien conspiracy theories, but even if aliens were ever kept there, they've long since been relocated to Area 52. Meanwhile, Area 51, a.k.a. Groom Lake, is a super-sensitive, top-secret, well, as best as any base can be these days, aerospace research facility. The SR-71 and all of our stealth fighters were developed there. Researchers, engineers, and all of their staff are flown in, and there are no roads leading up. Again, I'm not leaking any classified information because I don't know shit about Area 51 for real. This is all stuff that's been shown late night on the History Channel with all these undercover conspiracy theory blowouts. Again, I really don't know anything about Area 51, and I'm not leaking any kind of classified information. You can find all of this nonsense online. But if they're to be believed, that's what's going on there. The area around Area 51 is restricted for miles, as is the airspace. I can assure you that any military base would react in force to a large civilian raid. Even something as benign as Camp Pendleton or AP Hill. Area 51 defenses won't have any issues strafing actual threats with miniguns fired from UH-1s or rockets from Cobras and Apaches. If 500,000 morons do show up, there's enough raw land between the base and where folks could prep to lay down hell and fire enough to keep anyone at bay. Yes, they can actually stop you all. And for the few dozen of you dumb enough to try, the felony you'll end up with on your record won't help. War Cloud. It's not as tasty as War Pig. Now in darkness, world stops turning. She's where the body's burning No more war pigs have the power But it certainly has a bigger budget.
The DoD is working with industry to develop an AI to better understand the scope of the battlefield, and also at the same time probably itching for a Disney lawsuit with their new Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, or JEDI, program. You may recall all the hubbub about Microsoft employees bellyaching about working for the DoD last year. I'm guessing they didn't realize that the DoD, and by extension the U.S. government, is the single largest Microsoft consumer to my knowledge, and that every tactical operation ever executed has been composed by PowerPoint Rangers over the last 20 years. Death by PowerPoint is lethal force. This war cloud would crunch mountains of tactical data on a series of classified servers and present analysis for leaders to aid in their decision making. No plans are in place to tie any actual kinetic weapon systems to Jedi, and all actual decisions would still be made by flesh and blood officers and senior staff and COs. There may be some tangential efforts to relate lessons learned to cyber warfare, but nothing life-stealing will be done automated. We're still safe from Skynet for now. Some argue the system is hawkish, though it isn't true AI either. It will leverage advanced machine learning and mesh sensors. If you think the Chinese and Russians aren't pursuing similar efforts, please wake up and end your dream state. They're trying to do everything we're doing and more. They have no qualms about it. At the end, Jedi will more likely than not actually prevent accidental death of civilians, ensure better direction of forces, ultimately reduce loss of life, reduce war spending, and actually keep people safe instead of making us more war bad. So calm down, it's not going to be a problem. Hardwired and BMS. For those of you who've been around a bit lately, You've heard us plug a set of webcomics by Leanne and Rod Hanna. Many of you have actually probably seen Blue Milk Special Art circulate the web, though you might not have realized it. For the better part of a decade, they've poked a bit of fun and a lot of love in the direction of Star Wars. In recent months, they've also poured their heart and soul into Hardwired. It's hosted by a web comic service called Webtoon, available on every web browser via a special mobile app. Plenty of teenagers would kill for a chance to leave Earth behind and journey to Mars. But for Cal, that situation is pretty much reversed. One of only seven people ever born on the Red Planet, Cal dreams of returning to the homeland of his parents where, despite its many flaws, he can be free to live life his way. But Cal's plans of getting back to Earth may have to be put on hold as an unknown presence threatens the very existence of the boy, his family, and everyone who now calls Mars their home. Things are about to go hot as the action picks up. How do I know? Well, I had the privilege of being a consultant for the next episode. No spoilers, I promise, but the action is forthcoming and it lines up with our style of storytelling. You're going to see a lot more military-style action going on in the series. Shoot, move, communicate. That's all I have to say. Okay. We tucked this in at the end, so if you want to avoid possible spoilers for the next Star Wars movie, because we're going to speculate here, it's time for us to part ways. This is the last part of the episode. This is the last news bit I have. So if you don't want to be spoiled, please stop the episode now and go have a cup of tea. Tea, oh Grey, hot. Okay, you've been warned. Spoilers from here on out. Possibly, because really, we're just speculating. All right. So, we found out very little official from Lucasfilm other than this is the wrap-up to a nine-movie arc, and Emperor Palpatine has some level of return in the film. It's rumored to be long, with J.J. saying that there's four hours of continuous usable footage, as in right now before it hits the editing room, there could be a four-hour movie. 
I'm not sure what that translates in the final cut, or if we will ever see a director's mega cut, but it's there, and by the actor's accounts, emotional. Well, first off, how is Palps coming back? We don't know, but we can speculate. With the San Diego Comic-Con 19 exclusive toy now announced as a Sith Trooper, it's this red First Order meets Clone Trooper almost, we can possibly extract that it's a bigger return for Palpatine than expected. Since Kylo and Snoke were never declared as Sith, has the Sith Lord returned in the flesh? Has he possessed a new body like in the old Dark Horse series Dark Empire? There is new canon evidence, you know, since Disney took over, that the Sith, while they can't be free-roaming force ghosts like light side users, can be tied to physical objects like a tomb, or in the case of Lord Momin, a mask. Perhaps the rumored Matt Smith role that's been denied quite a few times is a young Emperor clone. Perhaps Lord Plagueis may be survived after all, and he's been working with Palpatine to cheat death all along. We don't really know. Again, speculation. Snoke was often guessed to be Plagueis because in Episode 7, the Plagueis theme, or the, you know, this is not a tale the Jedi would ever tell you, theme music was played when Snoke was there talking as a hologram. And music has always been a key indicator or a hint or a mood setter or an indicator of, of things in Star Wars. Maybe the reason the First Order sprung up so quickly was that Palpatine planned ahead and created it from an Imperial remnant he sent off to Uncharted Space after his uh, Plan C, a.k.a. Operation Cinder, in Battlespace 2. I actually meant to say Battlefront 2, the campaign missions discussed Operation Cinder. Again, we're digging deep into, like, the extra canon stuff, like the video games and the comic books, but uh, who knows, maybe Palpatine just stayed in the background and let Snoke lead. Maybe Snoke is Plagueis. Just having fun with theories here. On that note, is Rey really a clone or genetically manipulated life form? My theory is that she might in fact be an extension of what I would guess would be called Project Skywalker. You see, in Rogue One, we learned that the Empire loves all their project names. Project this, project that. It was the Emperor's Empire, so that makes sense that he's a fan of names like that. So maybe there was Project Skywalker, which was the Plagueis Sidious experiment to create life with Metachlorians. You know, how Anakin supposedly sprung up. There was a lot of debate recently as to how a scene from a recent comic book would be interpreted as to whether or not it was Plagueis or Sidious that created Anakin within Shimmy. My theory is that uh, it was Plagueis, and then after Sidious killed Plagueis, he lost track of Anakin, and or he didn't know where Anakin was, but he knew about the project, and that he didn't find out where Plagueis' project was until Anakin showed back up with the Jedi, and he couldn't obviously take him there. But Plagueis continued to run the experiment. We saw a lot of evidence in the Clone Wars cartoons and Rebels that the Empire was experimenting and interested in Force-sensitive children. I think that the Skywalker Project continued long into the reign of Palpatine. And perhaps if Palpatine never died, continued this project long into the new Saga era and that Rey was an extension of that. Rey was the latest iteration of the Skywalker Project. Perhaps she was part of this experiment, rescued as a child, handed off to quote-unquote filthy junk traders, and then left or lost on Jakku somehow. This would explain the whole Rise of Skywalker title if the entire Skywalker lineage is really just an offshoot of this Sith project. Rey would then be a Skywalker without being the offspring of Luke or Leia. Next comes the WTF over the Knights of Ren and where Kylo picked up the title Ren. With the resurrection of the Knights of the Old Republic storyline supposedly coming up in the next few films, I'm returning to an old theory I held in the time frame of Episode 7 where we found out about the Knights of Ren originally. 
and that Ren, or the, the name Ren, the title Ren, is a mutation of Revan. Ben Skywalker and his acolytes may have come across a 4,000-year-old damaged data file in Luke's archives describing Ren, aka Revan, with some damage to the file, and his split from the Jedi Order. It may have resonated enough with them to create the Knights of Ren and split from Luke's Order. But then, now we get to the question of why don't the Knights have lightsabers? Actually, this is probably even tied to the whole why are Rey and the gang headed to the wreckage of the second Death Star? It's possible that Luke and Ben were the only two folks at the Academy with lightsabers due to the rarity of a key component, kyber crystals. In canon sources, it's been made quite clear that the Empire made a great effort to destroy or harvest every source of kyber for the Death Stars or keep them away from rogue Jedi there may not be any more left that anyone can find. So one, we now know why the knights are armed with melee weapons instead of lightsabers. If they were, you know, in fact, the students that Ben took from the academy. And two, it's a possible reason for why Rey and the gang are headed off to salvage kyber crystals from the wreckage of the second Death Star if they're trying to stand up some sort of new, force-sensitive lightsaber-wielding order, whether they be called Jedi or Skywalkers, depending on your theory that you want to hold to about what's happening in the next movie. These are just my wild theories, but hey, I figured it'd be nice to end the news episode with a little bit of uh, conjecture. 